Welcome back to the Bad Pipes Podcast. I'm Just your host, right. Andrew Weaver, right and uh, with me is interrupting uh, interrupting Scott Kelly. Right into it. We're jumping right into it. Uh, we also have with us our longtime friend, little pal, tiny pal. buddy, uh, buddy, miniature Matt, Matty Boy Miller. Hey guys, it's me, Mini Matt. Uh, I coming see, back at us character. again with the uh, the the microphone underwater quality. Oh shoot! Wow. Yeah, I, sorry, I'm using my mouse and uh, realize I need to actually plug the mic in. So let me let me change that. Up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, someone didn't give us any prep time here. We just jumped right yeah, into well, it because we wanted to start talking before we started recording about things that should be in the episode. So. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with the show, we basically have just turned into a film review uh, podcast, um, film review podcast, if you're familiar with that kind of idea. Uh, this week, we have yeah. three loosely, some oh, concretely man. anchored uh, cyberpunk movies, and those are uh, <clears throat> Hackers. Oh. It hurts to hear. Oh my god. Johnny Mnemonic. And the fifth element. Yeah. So uh this has been a little trek back into the nineties, looking at what we thought twenty twenty was gonna look like. Man, we nailed it. At least in Johnny Mnemonic, we nailed it. Well, Minus I guess Hackers takes place in the nineties, so not entirely. Yeah, true, true. Johnny Mnemonic is pretty fucking close, though. At least with the political climate. Oh yeah. But our 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 ability to store information, man, they with all the technology in that, that was pretty short sighted. Yeah. Well, that's like kind of a a trope of uh, cyberpunk, right? Is a it's a combination of like certain things are like highly advanced and certain things are not advanced uh nearly as not as much as you would think they would be um famously uh gibson when he wrote uh neuromancer who's uh, gibson gibson who uh was it william gibson i believe when how old is his stuff William Gibson, old, uh, old he is a <clears throat> American-Canadian speculative fiction writer and essayist widely credited with pioneering the science fiction subgenre known as cyberpunk. So okay. back in the 80s, he wrote Neuromancer, which was, I think, is broadly accepted as like the first official like cyberpunk work. Mm-hmm. Um, he also... Uh, wrote the screenplay for Johnny Mnemonic. Um, so as far as like how cyberpunk these three movies are, Johnny Mnemonic is like hard cyberpunk. Um, but famously, uh, after Neuromancer, people were like, how come everyone still talks on like landline phones? And he's like, yeah, I just didn't see cell phones coming. <laughs> I, I goof there. That's something that like I should have seen, but like just didn't. 
I don't know. I, that, I, I think that aspect of this sort of stuff is kind of fun because it's like, all right, where's this person's like blinders at? Like you have this whole complex futuristic world that you've created and then it's like something as trivial as corded phones were still included, you know? Yeah. Like I got to get on the internet, you know, and they have to like <laughs> go somewhere and like jack in basically. Yeah. And like these days, yeah, it's like, oh, I got to got to plug in my fucking modem. And these days it's like, I just got a Bluetooth. Let me Bluetooth this thing, you know, Wi-Fi. let me do it through the air. I mean, yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, we really weren't re- weren't really thinking about that. So kind of talking much. about like cyberpunk as a genre, uh, how familiar would you guys say that you are with cyberpunk? Because I would say I am very familiar with it. I've read a good bit of it. Uh, I own the cyberpunk red RPG handbook. Uh, I've played a shit ton of like Cyberpunk 2077, as well as like, uh, oh shoot, what is the freaking fantasy? Uh, Shadowrun. I played like, I haven't actually played oh, yeah, that's... the Shadowrun tabletop, but I've played like the video games and I am familiar with games, the tabletop system. I'm not familiar Scott. at all. You said you're not familiar at all, Scott? I know, like, the concept. Like, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with, like, the concepts. And I'm familiar with, like... Like, I've watched, like, Cyberpunk 2077. I've, like... I, I'm somewhat familiar. Like, I've seen, like... I've seen stuff on Shadowrun. Like, I'm pretty sure I played it when it, The game, like... the What was it? Like, the 360 game? When it came out, it was, like, kind of shit. Yeah, I don't know about that. I just know that there's a game on PC. It is... Let me go to my fucking games. Shadowrun. Helps if you spell it right. As as for me, I'm also not super familiar. Like, I understand the concept of, like cyberpunk Shadowrun Returns is the game that I was thinking of it came out in 2014 that's a really good one by the way Uh, highly recommend that is that the one that was like one of the first cross PC console games or am I I thinking of it I think so maybe thinking of something else but anyway I, I was saying I'm about as familiar with Shadowpunk and just like the concept Shadow of punk. it as like a shadow punk now i got shadow run <laughs> in my head we out here it, shadow it's punking. more like the diy tech man that's what we should have named the freaking podcast is shadow punk shadow damn punk. it damn it there's always you there's always time to rebrand that'd be such always a pain re-brand. in the ass <laughs> Look for our first oh. line of merch, uh, our shadow line, or your uh, shadow, shadow punk. punk. Uh, yeah, that'll be our first merch line. <laughs> Shirts. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Matt, you were saying though? Yeah, just like the DIY, you know, 
rage against the machine sort of like tropes involved in yeah well that's like the the punk aspect of it yeah uh and then like the sort of like dystopian future like oh all these amazing things but there's subtly these issues that you know that sort of like the themes involved in shadow punk i'm pretty (laughs) cyberpunk (laughs) shadow punk dude um all right i'm going with this bit okay but well, that's about as familiar as I am. Is just like the themes of it. Cyberpunk is when the robots have mohawks, right? Yes. I mean, you're not entirely wrong there. <laughs> I know. I'm onto something. I'm learning. You are. Sh- Shadowpunk is when the robots are black and they have moho- mohawks. <laughs> yes. Gunmetal no. steel. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of ideas of, like, uh, body modification is always, like, very strongly in cyberpunk. Yeah, uh, like that the whole idea, cybernetics sort of thing. Yeah, the cybernetics and things. Uh, the things that Matt was getting at about um, the rage against the machine kind of thing, that, like, it's not so much the government keeping people in, uh, enslaved you might say but like corporations corporations have just like yeah absolutely crushed people to a point where they are their only escape is like the internet uh hope that they can move somewhere else where life isn't so bad and the reality is like the world has changed there is nowhere that isn't like completely infiltrated with this like aggressive uh corporate mentality and on top of that like uh I mean, if you play like Cyberpunk 2077, right? They have the three different intros. It's like you're a nomad, you live out in the wastelands, and you're kind of free and like family's cool and stuff, but you're kind of like stuck doing terrible jobs to make a living. Then you have like the street kid who is a uh, basically just like an underprivileged kid who has to like, again, take jobs that suck in order to like make a living. And then you also have the corporate guy who is like third party to (laughs) a massive assassination plot and uh, because his boss had orchestrated it, but then his boss, his boss's boss didn't know about it. So she like totally fucking burns him and you get like fired and let go. And uh, that really sucks for you because the corporation owns all of your enhancements. So your like body starts failing and uh, they got to rush you to a ripper dock. And Ripper Docs are like underground. Yeah. So then you have this idea of like Ripper Docs and things. They're like these, like, uh, you don't go through official channels for anything, right? You do everything like as off the books as you can. Uh, So Ripper Docs are these people who are like uh, underground doctors who specialize in like cybernetic enhancements and that kind of stuff. Uh, and you see some of that, like, we definitely see that in Johnny Mnemonic. Um, you see that desire to stay off of the grid in Hackers. And uh, I'm going to be honest, the kind of outlier here is Fifth Element. Because Fifth Element definitely has more themes of, like, more, like, mythological or, like, fantasy or, like, Actual adventure. sci-fi. 
Yeah, like sci-fi adventure, I would say. Yeah, because I was going to say, when I I was watching that, I was like, okay, uh, my, I, like, I definitely, like, felt like the, uh, the style, like, the actual, like, clothing, and, like, some of the, some of it was, like, very cyberpunk, but a a lot of it was just, like, you could just be like, yeah, this is straight up, like, sci-fi, sci-fi. Yeah. Like, Um, sci-fi adventure, like, like, traversing across the fucking. Where I would say that the cyberpunk comes into that is, like, your main character is living in like a cube. He's an ex-military yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, well, even even just like the the fucking the cigarette thing like on the wall. Like, it just it makes you think of like it's being you're being controlled in some way of like oh hey you should, like quit here here's to help you quit smoking. You got fucking four cigarettes a day that are just like pumped into there. Yeah. Um and like I think the the fact that like you have these like mobile flying. Um, Thinking of like the the dude who like came like served him at his window, just like can fly up to his window and serve him right in his little like cube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of like the background on uh, cyberpunk as a genre. Do you guys have any like questions or anything, or do you just want to like get into the movies now? Uh, yeah, no, I mean. So. Before we hop into the movies, Matt was saying that uh, he, I think you were saying that you were not enjoying this trip back to the 90s. (laughs) No, I wasn't. So first off, like these movies cannot be more 90s if they fucking tried it when it comes to just like montages and like super cool cuts between frames, especially in hackers. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> I just like it, it wanted to be like Mission Impossible, but like just behind the computer the whole time. And oh, oh I hard disagree. Dude, I think it we're going to leave. So... <laughs> we're going to leave hackers for last because I feel like it's, that's the okay. one where me and Matt are going to like really go at it because. Yeah. I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to yeah. hear to talk about it. All, all I'm saying so, is like I forgot all of that, and I think <laughs> the reason is because it was a traumatic time in it in her, in indie entertainment. I really I really believe that. <laughs> all right, so we let's all blocked with, it out. Let's start with Fifth Element then, because I feel like that's the one we're probably going to be kind of universally on the same footing for. Um. You guys have all, I mean, you guys have all seen Fifth Element, right? No. Yeah. This is my first time. I've, first I time grew up watching it. Yeah, this, oh, is wow. my fir- really? this is my first, this is my first time actively watching it. I've been around, well, like, I've been places where it's been on. I, like, have definitely seen clips. Like, like, I don't think I've ever, coaches, nope. like, do you remember in the summer when, coach would have that playing in his car while he drove around yeah 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 i feel like that's where i feel like that's where i kind of like remember it is like stuff like that um i've never like actively like sat down and watched it yeah that but i did this time all right so let's talk about the cast real quick mila jovovich classic this is exactly the kind of movie she uh would be in and continues to be in Bruce Willis, the man himself, in his prime, looking pretty oh, good, yeah. I'd say. Uh, you got agree. Chris Tucker playing like the, 
probably tied for like the craziest character with Gary Oldman's character. I um, love I love Chris Tucker's character though. Chris Stop. Tucker, this oh, is yeah. like iconic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Ruby Ruby Rod. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of like a a not at all masculine guy who is just like the biggest womanizer is just like such a funny concept. Yeah. And it, it just like, I don't know. I feel like it speaks more on like just culture status. Like that's how you treat other people when you're, the greatest entertainer in the galaxy bro <laughs> <laughs> all right then we have the man the myth the legend gary oldman playing the uh the main villain here john baptista manuel zorg zorg what a name what a very zorg. 90s villain name oh yeah just zorg yeah and his and henchmen like, just like fit zorg you know you're like yeah that guy works for zorg He's sure. just got like a bunch of fucking space works. I love it. Yeah. They're like very, very like space orky too. They're just like dumb, yeah. want to break things, fuck everything up constantly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's another thing about this that's so notable about this movie is just like the. I feel like a lot of the CGI and the limited amount of CGI and practical effects in this like i feel like it still stands up and like there's some really cool organisms in this movie <clears throat> what do you mean organisms that's such a weird organisms. way of being like aliens and shit the alien yeah no the practical effects are really good i mean with the uh, all organisms baby only yeah. inside Pl plava plava laguna uh, uh D diva i guess whatever her name is the the blue alien the blue opera singer yeah, opera singer She's, um yeah that was pretty pretty great practical that effects good, that's a good there. that's a good scene too all yeah. the all the the guys the um, hey why does she look so good and we made this in the 90s but then ahsoka nowadays uh with the with the exception of the pants that we're really working for why does hera why does Hera's headdress look so bad in comparison? Yeah. Yeah. I Matt hasn't watched Ahsoka, so he he can't speak I to don't this know. experience, but I know Scott knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um you get in the get in the nerd zone and then you think everybody's as as nerd as you. I'm not nerded up. I'm not fully nerded. Bro, I'm bricked up for that nerd shit, bro. You show me a, a a a blue alien girl and she got them head tentacles. I'm fucking. I'm there, buddy. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you're scribbling your name all over that. Oh yeah. You're carving out that niche. Signing Mon Milfa everywhere I can. Oh, <laughs> oh that was before the pod. Uh, <laughs> off pod jokes coming into the podcast. Hell yeah. Um. <laughs> Luke know. Perry's in this movie. He plays Billy. Yeah. Luke Perry, famous 90s actor. Um, Ian Holm, also a, a pretty big name actor back in the day. 
Then you got Tommy Lister Jr., whose name you might not recognize, but a face you absolutely would. Plays just like the massive black dude in so many movies in the 90s. Yeah. He's almost got that... Uh... Oh, shoot. What's the movie with the... The other Wilson brother who, like, goes to the future. Uh, idiocracy. Oh, oh, idiocracy. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll and, like, idiocracy. the president is a uh, freaking, what's his name? And he's just, like, got, like, a wrestler kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of get that on, like, a much less egregious or like outrageous kind of vibe with with uh president Lindbergh. um he's just like big dude who's like in in control of the situation despite the fact that like shit's just spiraling out of control yeah yeah um what else was he in uh he was in friday he was in no holds barred he was in next friday he was a voice in Zootopia. Uh, apparently, he was in Human Centimede 3. Um, wow. He's going to be in Zootopia 2. He's in The Dark Knight. He's in Jackie Brown, Little Nicky. Uh, oh, wow. He's in yeah, Armed okay. and Dangerous. He's been in, like, a shit ton of stuff. But, like, most of it was, like, late 80s, 90s stuff. Yeah. The transition of analog to digital it's when things were were getting weird yeah a lot of weird films like all of these <laughs> i will say there is a frame where you see uh mila jovovich's boobs in this movie classic classic you get your one frame of boobs in the 90s uh, movies. Yeah, nice, a nice 90 yeah a little I cannot. That's, <laughs> that's what you're getting. I cannot handle you. Also, uh, I believe this was a French director, and that's why like so much of the visuals of this movie have that very like avant-garde sort of like French science fiction feel. Like Luke uh, Besson. Yeah, yeah, he's Luke, French. Luc Besson. He's got a that's lot of stinkers my, uh, in the, French, in the reviews French there. Voice. He's got a, he's got a lot of rotten movies in his reviews. Well, yeah, he's French. <laughs> Damn, shots fired. <laughs> uh, my my our one Berlin listener knows. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? I cannot handle you. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> yeah. Official Amazing. stance of the Bad Pipes podcast. We don't no. like French people. Wow. I, think we, oh. we speak, I think we speak as individuals in this. Yeah, we speak here. as individuals with one voice, and I'm the voice of the people. French people Gosh. suck it. Wow. Uh, You're alienating a whole potential. I, I like French people. <laughs> Me too. Bootlickers. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, uh, it was Andrew trying to make it black and white over here. All right. Either you like the French or you don't. Come on now. Two hours, six minutes. Does this movie feel like a two hour movie? Yeah. It, 
yes, and like at some points feels almost longer. Just because I don't know, I feel like out of all of them, I was way more immersed in this world. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. There was just like, and I don't mean that in a bad way either when I say that. I mean like longer is like I felt like my time had more uh, value. Maybe maybe it, maybe it felt long to me because I split it up into two part because I, I think i told uh, andrew we were talking the other night I, I was just like yeah i watched half of it and i had to go finish the other second half so for me i think it m might have felt longer but when i'm looking at it, it it seems like if you would watch it through straight through i feel like it would feel short because you don't really i feel like you really only like go a couple places like you're not you're not like it didn't feel like they were moving around a lot you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like the plot's always kind of pushing it forward. And whenever yeah. it slows down, it is typically for, like, character moments. Like, yeah. uh... Oh, man. Yeah. Um, after, like, the whole cab sequence in the beginning, whenever she falls through his roof, and there's, mm -hmm. like, that whole action sequence, uh, whenever yeah. he gets her to the priest, and then she's, like, asleep, and he kisses her, and... You have like all those moments about like never without my consent and uh you see is like it's kind of like it it plays with a lot of like motifs right so in that moment you would have like sleeping beauty right where like the prince kisses the princess and she wakes up and they fall in love or whatever whereas in this it's like a much a much more like modern message you know of like uh not in a bad way, but like, like, don't take advantage of me, you know? Like, if, yeah, if we are to have a relationship, it needs to be on equal footing. Um, so it plays with a lot of those, like, sort of almost like mythological fairy tale type motifs, and it brings them into the present, I think, in a good way. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, the development of their relationship throughout this movie feels pretty realistic, despite the fact that it is, like, an adventure and there's, like, a whole bunch of nonsense going on and, like, the settings are kind of crazy. Like, the fucking... Yeah. The airport full of trash. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand it, but it fits this world perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know how I got to like the setting in conjunction with that, but I also just like how it—it's just—it's so like briefly addressed. It's almost just like he like walks up to the to the what the, the ticket counter, or whatever the whatever you want to call it, and he's she's just like, yeah, sorry about the trash. He's like, what? <laughs> I think he, like, looks back. He's like, oh. Yeah, like, it's such a mainstay of the world that, like, everything's in disarray and, like, in, yeah. in literally trash heaps that, like, it's just you don't notice that. Yeah. Obvious overconsumption, where just yeah. you're, you're, people are consuming things and you just have trash piling up. Yeah. 
So. Also, like, uh, there's that sort of iconic scene where the cops are doing, like, a fucking search or something early on. And they're, like, assume the position or whatever, and he's got to, like, put his hands on the wall. They have, like, they have, like, pre- you know, pre-painted spots where you go and put your hands, the the yellow circle, yeah. you know, put your hands in the yellow circles. Yeah, and what is it they ask him? Do you identify as a something? Do you identify as a human? Yeah, and he goes, no, I identify as a meat popsicle. As a popsicle. meat popsicle, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking line is, like, ingrained in my head. I identify as good. a meat popsicle. Me, Honestly, me too. If I'm being yeah. honest, I'm... I'm pretty much just a walking meat popsicle. That's about. That's days. about. I mean, that's about how the. Are, right? uh, that's about how the corporations view us. Yeah. We're just For big real. sacks of meat that consume you meat popsicle. Consume. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, like, and to add on what you were saying, Andrew, about a lot of the the tropes, the more modern, like, reflections on our own society within. Within this, and like, kind of reframing it. I, I really enjoy a lot of this and it, it's essentially like, I don't know, like saying I identify as a meat pop school in and of itself, I feel like is a tell to, you know, kind of where we are at with a lot of like things like identity, like we're, we're sitting here overusing it all the time. Um, it's a weird thing like as this and as that and it but in this context and in this film it doesn't feel like it feels like yes this is like just a frank look at this reality we're in right now well, it was also like, like a weirdly prescient line right because nowadays uh i feel like the most heated discussions you get on the internet or on twitter or whatever are about like identity politics right so then yeah. you have this guy in this movie back in the 90s who's like makes this joke but like nowadays it feels like such a like middleman kind of joke like yeah if someone walked up to me and was like what do you identify as i'd feel fucking ridiculous having to explain like i identify as a white man etc cetera, etc cetera, you know because like it doesn't yeah. matter for me it matters more so for like I guess, I don't want to say disenfranchised, but like people who don't want to identify as what their like birth markers would be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that also is, you know, it's a comment to the fact that like, like who, where do these labels come from? You know, who is giving these labels and why, yeah. I think is really, that's the real core of it and, and how these labels are being used. Yeah. So, I mean, in a sense, it's all, you know. Well, I think just like- Rage in, against the machine. In today's context, it almost takes on a different uh, meaning. Whereas like in that context, in its original context, I think it's more a commentary on like xenophobia, right? Do you identify as yeah. human? whenever they're living in a world with like literal aliens, you know? Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and apparently like shape-changing aliens. So uh, xenophobia would probably be yeah. at a much higher, <laughs> a much higher. Uh, oh yeah. Priority for 
institutions of power. Yeah, <laughs> the powers that be. Um, but yeah, so like that's just a little throwaway line in the movie that like, in its context, does provide you character detail, but also like, kind of holds its weight nowadays, but in a different way. <clears throat> yeah. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't think we really need to delve into the plot too much for for this one. Um, no, it's, it's an adventure movie. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, Get the girl to the place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I want to say <laughs> earlier about the, the the Sleeping Beauty thing, and then the Never Without My Consent. Like he goes home, and then like he's reluctant about it the whole time, right? Like, damn, I fucked mm-hmm. up. Like I shouldn't have done that. And it's like uh, it plays on that trope of like. I don't know, like even Little Mermaid, right? Has that song like "Kiss the Girl," you know? Yeah. Um, which nowadays people like, I not everyone obviously, but like certain groups of people are like not okay with it because she can't like vocally uh, yeah. express her consent, right? Despite the fact that she was expressing consent through like eyes and the fact that her whole purpose there was like make him fall in love with her and so she can get her voice back etc etc uh side tangent there um i don't know i feel like i enjoy this movie looking at it critically this time i was kind of like i see where it might not have been received fantastic by like critics it is very like jokey and self-aware at points. Um, I still enjoyed it though. Yeah, yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, Lilu, Mila the Jovovich. most after all of them, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this movie probably because of the French director just has a ton of eye candy. Like, I feel like every yeah. woman in this movie was, like, a nine or above woman. Just, like, absolutely beautiful. A nine or above woman. Yeah. A nine. Like an, like an untouchable woman. That we mere mortals could never hope to be as oh beautiful as God. they are. You know? Like, people people today would be like this is an unrealistic depiction of women you get what i'm saying matt yeah i get what you're saying i just want you to keep talking yeah i like women i like when they're blue that i like mila jovovich i liked all of the like stewardesses and all of the secretaries in this movie they were all beautiful women yeah, it's like a live-action anime adaptation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, There's... in that sense, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, Matt, you said you like this the most out of all of them. Out of 10, what yeah. are you hitting this with? Oh, man. I'm hitting... I'm, I'm up in the eights. I'm in the eights. I'm like an eight... I'm a sucker for, you know, adventure fantasy as well. I, I need to preface that. So I, I would say it's like an eight, seven. It's, it's up there for me. 8.7 from the baby boy, Scotty, Scotty man. What about you? Fifth element. 
7.7. Yeah. I think I am going to be lowest on this. I'm 7.5. I think it's like a really middle-of-the-ground, acceptable, watchable movie that you could recommend to most people. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Agreed. All right. Let's move on to... Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. <coughs> Johnny Meme... Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, Scott, this was your first time watching this, right? Yep. Matt, was hey. this your first time? Yes, sir. Alrighty. Alrighty. Did either of you have very strong feelings about this movie? No. Not really. It it just like... I don't know. Keanu, Keanu definitely had some... The classic 90s Keanu Airhead, like, doesn't feel like the most appropriate reaction at this moment, but we love it anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a very, like, understated actor. So for a character that needs to go from, like, highly professional individual to, like, losing his fucking shit, uh, I don't think he does losing his fucking shit that great. No. No. And yeah, I don't I don't mean he's doing a good job when he's doing that. I want that to be clear. Yeah, I don't think this is the strongest performance from Keanu Reeves. I think this is around the time whenever people were kind of saying like, yeah, I just don't think he's a good actor. Whereas yeah. like, I think that that's kind of turned around nowadays because he gets roles that are more suited to him. Mm -hmm. Um. But let's just talk about the cast because the cast of this movie is fucking phenomenal. It's All right. Weird, man. Uh so Keanu Reeves in the lead, uh Dina Meyer uh as the like female co-lead, I guess. She becomes a bit of a main character. Um she was another like famous 90s actress. She was in uh Starship Troopers and a number of other things. Uh beautiful oh, woman. She was. Uh you've got uh, Henry Rollins playing what uh, I would yeah. call the Ripper Doc in this movie. Yeah. You've got was... Dolph Lundgren showing up as a fucking street preacher. Uh, you've got Udo Kier who played like the evil German guy in like every movie in the 90s. Um, the head of the Yakuza is Taka Takashi Kitano who's like a famous 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 actor like always plays yakuza guys if you've ever seen battle royale he's the teacher in that um huh uh dennis akiyama uh plays shinji he is he plays like japanese guys in a lot of american movies um good god man like the the cast for this movie is just awesome yeah um and again, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, this is the most like hard cyberpunk, cyberpunk setting, uh, cyberpunk plot movie out of the three of these. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it definitely seems. You have a guy with a hard drive in his head who smuggles information. Um, you have Udo Kier playing a fixer, uh, Ralphie. God, dude, I, I will say the way that Keanu talks to him and he's just like, come on, Ralphie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it just felt so American to me. 
Um, Henry Rollins doing these like diatribes against uh, against the machine, right? Like, uh, so there's this kind of like backdrop plot point that you get that um, people are getting this disease and no one really knows what causes it. No one knows how to fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it? It's like something SA. Yeah, it's uh, what is it? R. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. But um, whenever Johnny shows up there and he's like, "Do you know what causes it?" and he's like, "This," and he's just like slapping the machines and walking around. He's like, "This being being bombarded with electronic signals every day, all day." (laughs) I was like, "What a fucking Henry Rollins like black flag punk rock." character to play like, yeah. yeah uh <laughs> NA, nas uh nerve attenuation syndrome yeah and you get the black shakes and you have seizures and stuff and yeah. uh that's the disease it's fucking wild brother yeah um and 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 here here's here's the thing i want to note um i want to introduce this into the conversation right now He's holding like, like, eighty gigabytes of data in his head, or some some like, no, some like uh, ridiculously low amount of data. His, his hard drive is an eighty gigabyte hard drive. He uses a doubler to hold a hundred and sixty for a short time. Oh, uh, and wow. they pump him full Crazy of. Amount. 320 gigabytes of information i believe um so basically the idea here is that there's a device in his head that lets him store memory uh not only in the device but in his wet memory right uh his actual gray matter you might say uh so the fact that he has so much crammed in there making wet in there causes uh causes some leaching i believe they call it yeah, I think uh, so. So basically it begins to affect his like motor uh not motor memory, what's it called? Uh motor skill function. It starts to affect him in a bunch of different ways. He starts like having seizures at one point in the movie. Um bright lights and things kind of like stun him. Um But yeah, you get yeah. a lot of the like body mod uh aspects in this movie so you have keanu with that stuff you've got dina meyer's character jane uh i think in cyberpunk terms you would call her like a razor girl or something like that uh she has had uh enhancements to her like reaction speed her you know all that kind of stuff um she plays a bodyguard that's a pretty cool character to be playing also the kind of character that I think you would typically more see as like a masculine male figure. Uh, I think Gibson writes women pretty well. Uh, I feel like her character is like grounded and definitely more than just a pretty face. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also a very capable actor. I don't know why you didn't see her in more like serious roles or maybe you did and I'm just not aware of them. Let me fucking thumb through her uh, movies real quick here. 
Starship Troopers, Saw 2, Starship Troopers again. Oh, she's in Saw? She's in Saw 2. The Evil Within. <clears throat> Piranha 3D. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, she is in Saw. Or at least it says she is. Star Shrek Nemesis. Star Shrek? Star Shrek Nemesis. It's all Star Shrek. Star Shrek, baby. Uh, I would, I would watch that. By the way, I would watch Star Shrek. Uh, yeah. Okay. I would definitely. Shrek, Shrek is love. Shrek is life. Anyway. God, Matt, your your memes are all from like ten years ago. Bro. I'm one of them, you know, real worlders. Boomers? You're a boomer? I know, I know a lot of boomers. I know boomer. Dude, your dad's the biggest boomer I've ever met. God, don't. You don't have to tell me. And I love him for it. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Um, <clears throat> what were we talking about? We were talking about this actress and then oh, character depictions if... yeah yeah uh so yeah no character depictions and like cybernetic enhancements uh shinji who plays like the bad guy yakuza dude uh he has a mono wire that comes uh from his finger this movie is oh, actually yeah. the first depiction of a mono wire in any cyberpunk properties so that later on became like an iconic weapon of cyberpunk uh, I did not know that. Yeah, so That's if you're playing Cyberpunk 2077, uh, you can actually use a mono wire as like one of your uh, body upgrades that you can get. And it'll even tell you in that because it's like easily concealed. It's a highly illegal weapon. It's also like highly deadly, right? Because it's this like basically a fucking plasma wire that'll like cut through just about anything. Yeah, so quickly. It's... Yeah, the I, I like the effects with the mono wire, especially when later on in the film and uh, it gets used on one of the the bad. Was it a bad guy? Or, I can't remember, but it, you just see like gets used on Ralphie and he, he comes apart in like that classic Japanese sort of scene of like slice slice and then his body falls apart. Just yeah, slides right off itself like some hot buttery steak. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's I'm a cool hungry. fucking weapon. Most of the the yeah, weapons in this are like cool shit. Like <laughs> even the guns that are these like pretty normal guns that then just have like needlessly complex enhancements on them are like pretty good. And I think that's something that kind of separates this from Fifth Element, right? Because Fifth the weapons in Fifth Element are like high sci-fi kind of guns that look high sci-fi and over the top until like i think the pistols later on in the movie um but like the weapons in this are all like fairly grounded like highly tactical looking things um you even got use of like modern day rpg launchers and things um the way that heaven defends itself from like ground assault is just dropping vw bugs that are full of explosives like the weaponry in this is at times silly but also like pretty fucking cool and grounded um mm -hmm. yeah 
I do kind of wish that they would remake this movie or make a like modern equivalent of it just like with updated effects and like more of the cyberpunk stuff stuck into it so like you do see like the bartender has a cybernetic hand that you can yeah. tell once it gets smashed by Dolph Lundgren's character the street preacher that like he did have like meat inside of it so it was still like connected wired in um yeah like seeing a movie nowadays where you can do like fully cybernetic prosthesis and a lot more of like the classic cyberpunk weapons stuck in there so like the gorilla arms right which are like these massive uh they replace your arms basically but they're like highly strength focused like punching breaking smashing cybernetic enhancements or um the fucking oh what do they call them like mantis slides or something like that the big blades that pop out of your forearms and you just yeah. like hack and slash with them seeing that stuff in a movie would be fucking sick uh they might be called like mantis blades or something like that um but that idea of like hidden weapons in your body that you can pop out and put to use like i think if you did this movie modernly jane's character definitely would have had instead of like having to throw nails and the weird stuff that she did uh she absolutely would have like a fucking razor blade that like pops out of her wrist or something you know or like a dart launcher from her fucking knuckles or something yeah um which would be so cool it'd be so cool to see that visually um i also think that like current political socio-economic climate would be like perfect for cyberpunk movies maybe that's just me maybe you guys agree no with that. maybe you don't i i agree and i i feel like in this film this film best represents like a, a more accurate future in relation to like political climate of just like because it's very much like we're mad at the elites focused you know like and we're destroying the world and yeah and like big pharma is the ultimate like, villain in this yeah exactly that's yeah he's there there's a plague going around as well but the thing is is like that isn't that's mentioned in the beginning but like it's not really taken into account until like halfway through the film um yeah. which i i i feel like they definitely could have done done more with that uh and made that a little more interesting or a little more represented throughout the film but <clears throat> i don't know i think overall it's like yeah it's kind of hitting kind of hitting the spot in a weird way yeah man is it hitting your spot hitting my spot dude huh? so we, said, spot. we should say that uh this came out in 95 it had a budget of 26 million uh apparently it grossed 40 million so it wasn't like an overwhelming success by any means 
If you look at reviews for this, it's got a 5.6 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes is telling me 18. I think that's typically the critic score. I don't know what the audience score would be. Audience score is 31. Yeah. So like this this isn't like a widely appreciated film, but yeah. I think for fans of cyberpunk, you would watch this and absolutely love it, right? Um, yeah, because of the things you talked about, especially like with the weapons used and the different yeah, and like the plot, and like everything that kind of drives yeah. things forward. Uh, we can get to the point where, like, uh, I mean, we can talk about the scene where him and Jane show up in the uh he he does the whole like i gotta get on the net so then they break into like a computer store they jerry rig this like advanced computer kind of thing together he basically uses the old uh what the fuck is it like the gamer glove the power glove you know he uses like two of those (laughs) to like like, go through the 3d representation of the internet which i thought was really funny yeah so like this movie and uh, Hackers both have these like 3D representations of moving through the internet, which was like so fucking 90s, right? Yeah. And it's yeah, weird it's, because we're now getting back to that in real life, right? With like yeah, that that push we had for moving to the metaverse, the metaverse. and whatnot, uh, which <sighs> didn't really work out. But I think it didn't work out because we don't have like a good technology for that yet. At like yeah. the user side of things, right? So most people using a computer are still just like keyboard and monitor, right? No one's sitting yep. there on a fucking Oculus Rift or like any sort of headset, going like using the internet. But I plus think- it gives you it gives me like seasickness. I get I can't play too long. I get like physically ill when I play it. Yeah, but I think as technology advances and they find techniques to overcome those sorts of things like the 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 motion sickness that a lot of people get from it uh the cost of the headsets and things like we're gonna reach a point where a headset is cheaper than a monitor like it might not be anytime soon but within the next like 20 to 25 years i think we'll get there um especially once we start getting like more haptic feedback kind of things so like Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can, like, put a, a pretty simple little, like, haptic vest on and it helps with, like, the motion sickness because it gives you some of those sensations of, like, moving with how you're looking. Um, yeah. I think it's just it's a matter of time weird. before we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the technology in this all seemed achievable. Like, do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Like, flying cars in Fifth Element, I don't think we'll ever have flying cars until we get to, like, a fully automated vehicle network, mm-hmm. which I think we're not anywhere close to that. I I think maybe in, like, a hundred years we might have something like that, but I don't think we're anywhere close to that nowadays. Yeah, um, and I also, I also think, like, directionally in the future we're going to... There's going to be a revival of public transit, I think, before we ever get to that point, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're already trending that way slowly. And I think once the new, like, all these train projects actually start becoming operable, 
I think we're going to see more of a trend in that direction, personally. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I'd probably agree with that. But yeah. Um, what do I know? Yeah. I just watched this movie. Did we mention Ice T was in this? I don't think. I think I completely. Ice T. Yeah, Ice T. I think I completely fucking missed this. Ice T is like a main character in this. He plays J Bone, who's like the leader of Heaven, which is this like low tech group who lives on a fucking destroyed bridge. Uh, He has a fucking anarchy tattoo in the middle of his uh, eyebrows. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like they, they've got the dolphin. <laughs> There's a fucking hacker dolphin. And it's explained that he was he was owned by the hacker. army. Yeah, so he was a navy uh like minesweeper. Uh the reason he's so good at hacking on the internet is because he's just like good at moving through 3D spaces. Um, oh my god. It's <laughs> wild. And again, it goes to gotta, the depiction of the internet. They also they got they got to keep him pumped atrocious. up with drugs too, right? Aren't they aren't they pumping him with the fluid? Uh, I don't remember anything about that, but yeah, they're, they're um, like they have like a, a syringe that they're like, yeah, he like, I, I can't remember. They they gotta like they gotta like syringe him every so well, often. That makes sense because usually in uh, the cyberpunk. Um, genre you do need to take some sort of like pills or something so that you can like keep up or not mm-hmm. reject your cybernetic enhancements right yeah. uh yeah i think in in 2077 they call them like immunoblockers or something like that Immunoblockers. which is literally like yeah i mean they block your immune response to these cybernetic uh enhancements basically uh, so you don't get an infection well, so that you don't get an infection, but also so that your body doesn't outright reject them and it cause like other health problems. Yeah. Um, All them the sicknesses. There's also an idea in cyberpunk of borging out, right? Which is when you have had too many cybernetic enhancements and they fuck with your mind, right? So you stop this you stop seeing yourself as human. You start seeing yourself as like greater than human. And you get that in this movie with Dolph Lundgren's character, the street preacher, right? So he sees everyone else as like subhuman sinners. Uh, He sees himself as this like uh, ascended being basically that gives him the right to like basically slaughter people indiscriminately and torture because they're lesser beings. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, he's doing so he's setting people free. Um, God, dude, I love seeing Dolph Lundgren pop up in movies as like just unhinged characters. He's one yeah. of those like lesser appreciated like action stars for sure. Yeah. He plays a lot of iconic villains too. So um Yeah. yeah. What what do you rate it? Uh let's see. I think Matt, you disliked this one the most, right? What what would you give it? I I can't say I disliked this one the most. Oh, okay. But I can say I think I, I think would... this is my most disliked one out of the three. Okay. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. All right, Scott, you go first. Then what would you give it? Um, even though I, I say I disliked it the most out of the three, I, I still enjoyed it. I think as far as comparing to the other two, I was a little bit more bored with this one. I'd still give it like a, I'll give it like a 6.4. Okay. Matt? So, is there, there a specific scale we're going off? I can't remember how. Five, no, five. I mean, you can say whatever you want, and then yeah. uh, justify. I wouldn't it recommend it. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. I would. Re- <laughs> this is this is what I I would do if you want to watch Keanu Reeves and see the growth process of him as an actor. This is a must see. In the beginning stages of following his career, for yeah, so sure. That, that is the bigger hater out of all three of us. But I would not recommend this movie. No. Because I, I still my, stages my rating of his career, dude. He's been doing stuff since like the the mid to early '80s, and this is '95. This is like a decade into his career, at least. Oh wow! Oh wow! Then I hold to. I would not recommend it. I'd give it. Like, <laughs> he's I like, hey, it. even if you do like Keanu Reeves and you want to see where he came from, don't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe generously a five, ungenerously probably like a four. Fair. I, I think All that's right. where I'm. I'm. I'm fair, living. Fair. Fair. Andrew. So my heart says eight, right? Because it is such a good depiction of cyberpunk. It's mm-hmm. the cast is amazing. It's got the Godfather of cyberpunk writing the screenplay for it. Uh, the setting I think is pretty good. Uh, it's a little cheaply done, but like you get all these like good settings of like, uh, trash strewn streets, uh, an old mall, like an old nineties mall with like mirrored pillars and things. You get Mm -hmm. like the, the bridge town at the end heaven with like just composed of trash brought up from the, the underworld basically. You have all these like lively, vivacious characters that are just like insane. You've got the the fixer Ralphie with his two uh like tall, uh beautiful <laughs> bodyguards. Um you get like so much like diversity and uh such a strong, strong cast, I would say. Um but what then, do you like, gotta give it though? But then the plot, the plot of the movie is lacking. Uh, it is uh-huh. like a tight hour 36. Um, it feels like it's always moving. I can't say it's paced poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of good character moments, I would say. Yeah, I think, and I so think that's, my that's heart where it fell short a lot for me. Eight. It's just like the, the plot that Keanu is a little flat. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like those are the two things that like most drag it down, right? Yeah. Um. So, in my heart of hearts, I say eight, but critically, I would have to give this like a six. Yeah. Because like it is overall not a fantastic movie, unless you're specifically looking for something that is like an example of the cyberpunk genre, in which case it really stands out. Yeah. No, that, um, I I think I think that's really where it lost me was the plot. Is I I think. I think my dislike, uh, the, the, the part I dislike most about it is I felt, 
I didn't care too much about the stakes or what was going on with the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I it mean, boils down to that. And the, and the plot is in the name of the movie, right? Johnny Mnemonic. A mnemonic device is something that helps you remember something. And mm-hmm. the whole plot is about him trying to get these these three images. A, so that he can remember the code to get the information out of his head. But also B, so that he can get this device and whatnot taken out of his head so that he can remember his childhood, right? So there are mm-hmm. aspects of good writing there. It's just that the execution was yeah. not as good as you think it would have been which I yeah. think more so comes down to the director than anyone else. Um, so yeah, uh, critically six, genre Lee eight. All right. Thanks. And that brings Thanks. us to uh, that was fair. It's all fair. You like it. Okay. Hackers. I'm first Hack- going to say hackers. Fantastic soundtrack. Hackers. <laughs> was my favorite of the three no way yep yep okay i'm so curious i'm gonna go with scott here and say that hackers is a criminally underrated movie no way oh yeah dude okay wow yeah i was not expecting that holy holy all right sell me sell me First off, I'm pretty sure this is Angelina Jolie's like first big role. Yeah. And like all 90s movies, you do get like a single frame of her boobs. Which which like <laughs> I I knew you were going to bring that up too. I knew you were going to especially after we review the first film like I he's going to bring this up. What was the point of that? <laughs> What was the, even the, scene the dream in sequence? Question, yes, I, f- I felt like it was to show that he's conflicted about her. On the one side, he really wants to get revenge for the ways that she has uh, been just yeah. like fucking destroying him socially. But then uh, he he also has those conflicted teenage feelings of God. I want to get revenge, but she's also fucking hot. <laughs> I I just I think the execution of all of it was just weird. I don't know. <clears throat> also, can we talk about the fact that uh Pan is it yeah, Pan is in this film from Pan and Teller? Can we talk about the cast in general? Yeah, let's talk about the cast. All right, so you got Johnny Lee Miller who plays Dade Murphy. Dade Murphy. Crash override or zero cool zero cool the the names of the the hacker names are so ridiculous yeah, I right, continue so, continue uh I mean you say ridiculous but they're absolutely like 90s hacker punk kind of names right yeah um, yeah and I think that's Angelina why I Jolie it. yeah you got Angelina Jolie you got Matthew Lillard, the man, the myth, the legend. A man. Um, he was a weirdo in this film. The what character you, what? himself was so goofy <laughs> in this film. Like you didn't like his character or? He was just like. Matt, I feel like you just had conflicting a feel, feel, like emotions about him. I feel like you saw him 
and you said, there's Matthew Lillard, tall, strong, beautiful Matthew Lillard. And he's wearing all these sort of androgynous uh, clothing options. And he's got those tight little braids. And I think Matt was going, God, I just fucking, God, I just fucking love to pull his little braids. That's what you were thinking, wasn't it? Dude, first off, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely second off like he was screaming and his like little laugh thing he did to like i don't know his character felt like it was trying so hard to be like the goofy degenerate and it is the goofy degenerate i know but it just like so i, I think maybe my problem with this film is like it felt like a movie you would watch if you wanted to ironically experience the 90s i i fuck feel you. like fuck you dude this movie is fantastic you can unironically appreciate this movie without trying to fucking ironically watch it to get a view of the 90s also I, dude i feel like, like this so many stereotypes of the 90s like so but I, I feel like this movie is a very good this movie is a very good depiction of like the uh, in a way you could call it the crypto anarchist movement of the time period because like this very much goes back to like these are like the the people who like kind of like created the entire like crypto movement over like hey we don't like we don't yeah. trust the government we don't trust the banks and like the corporations so like yeah, so let's, they use let's their kind tech. Of take a step back real quick let's talk about like okay, hacking yeah, hackers like mm -hmm. the history of hacking right so uh, a lot of people point to for like the earliest examples of hacking being phone freaking, right? And you get a really strong reference to that with Freak, who uh, you see multiple times uh, freaking phones, which the that is the term for it, right? So back in the day, you could play certain tones into payphones, and it would let you make calls for free. Uh, you see where he abuses it in the uh, jail to make a phone call without having to place like like dial the number um <clears throat> so like the phone the the call can't be traced uh to the number that he's placing because he's doing it through the um phone operator uh you see a lot of those uh things going on like with his character uh then you also have where uh, the way that they would hack like different corporations and things is that they would sift through the trash, <laughs> find people's uh, messages and memos and things and attempt to get like personal information so they could figure out their passwords and then remotely log into their systems. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see like a lot of pretty good depictions of like how hacking used to be done. Um, and I think to a degree is still done today. Um, just we have different ways of doing it, right? So you always hear about yeah. like key loggers, right? Key loggers are really a uh, malicious sort of thing where it logs your key inputs and then um, certain phrases and things will pop up in those. And that's how you know, like, oh, this is probably a password because they use it when they go to like these certain websites or things. Um, yeah. So, but also the idea of like, these are the four most common passwords used, right? So back in the day, you didn't have like, uh, oh, you put your password in three times wrong, uh, your account gets locked. 
It was just like, you could just sit there for hours trying to punch and, in different passwords. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And eventually and, something would work. And you could, uh, you could create programs that just do that for you too. So it's just like a matter of time. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess in, in within that context, I guess it is more interesting. Like, it's also it's also got uh, to kind of step out of like the history of hacking here. Uh, the depictions of the different um, alternative like interests, right? So like gaming and skating and skateboarding and like all that kind of stuff. That's all in here. Um, like arcade hanging out kind of stuff, like all of these guys being teenagers and they're all smoking cigarettes, uh, like all of that stuff I think is pretty like close to true for, you know, nineties depictions of like teenagers, nineties counterculture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you even see that in like the soundtrack choices, like the, practically the theme of this movie is the prodigy's voodoo people, which I mean, the prodigy it's amazing with how big electronic has become that like they that whole group does not get more of a i don't know that like isn't recognized more often right because a lot of the times i will meet people who are like yeah i really love like edm and that kind of stuff and i'm like oh yeah like but they have like no concept of like the history of it right so like the Prodigy back in the '90s, like Firestarter, Smack My Bitch Up, uh, Breathe, uh, Voodoo People, like all of these songs were like anthems, right, to to counterculture. Mm-hmm. And there are people that just have like no concept of that, but are like fully living on the shoulders of these musical groups that came before, right? Yeah. Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, like all those sorts of guys. Um, and it's like really nice to have a movie like this that like 95 was like living in that and like reveling in it, you know? Um, God, dude, I cannot talk highly enough about the soundtrack for this movie. Phenomenal. Um, I think when they show up to the, the party with, uh, not party, but they're, they're going to get the hack the world guys and the song that's playing there inspection check one is dude i fucking love that song yeah that's it's that like, a little underground club right yeah yeah when they're going to get they're going to get uh what is it razor and blade razor and blade yeah the two hack the world guys hack the planet yeah. hack the planet hack the planet um, hack the planet. yeah i would say as far as it goes for this movie this was the plot i liked the most um, I don't know. Again, Johnny Mnemonic. I think the the plot fell very short. I didn't really care too much about what was going on. Um, you know, with fifth, the Fifth Element, it was good. Um, like it just kind of, I don't know. It felt very sci-fi, kind of cheesy. That 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 early early or that '90s sci-fi like kind of cheese, where it's like, yeah, there's a we gotta save the planet. Something's coming. Save the planet. Whereas this one was just kind of like, oh, like straight up, we're being framed for like 
this hacking job by a corporation uh the guy who is framing us is uh trying to grift the corporation and he's like totally fine with causing an ecological disaster uh through the sinking of like all of these uh oil tankers oil tankers um which is very poignant because i mean in the 90s you had those like what was the huge fucking oil spill uh, enron was it enron no en was it? it bp was our time i think enron was that it it was one in alaska i'm pretty sure Oh no, Enron was the uh, Enron was a Exxon Valdez, right? That's right, Exxon, Exxon not Enron. Exxon, Exxon Valdez. Yeah, I was like uh, Exxon Valdez happened in 1989, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Rain or in Prince William Sound, Alaska, spilling 11 million gallons of oil, right? And that was one oil tanker, right? So yeah. uh, there was also the Mingbulak or Fergana Alley. Sorry, Fergana Valley oil spill of 1992, uh, which was the largest land-based oil spill in history, Asia's worst oil spill. Uh, so, like, for the past few years, right, when this movie was being made, there had been massive oil spills, and it's kind of funny, right, that the major villain of this movie is a, he is a hacker, but he's, like, a malicious hacker, um living outside of like the community of hackers right which they they kind of get into in this that like a lot of the early hacking movement was like a very punk-minded mindset of uh they have the that little excerpt of the like hacker manifesto right which is like we exist without identity uh we like try to protect the world you know like that kind of stuff um and then the major villain is Eugene, fucking dork ass name. Played by Fisher Stevens, who yeah, legendary um, actor. Uh, yeah. More famously, do you know what Fisher Stevens was in? Well, so most recently, I was watching him in Succession, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, I, but mean, I know he's been in the on on an even higher level than that. All right, even more artistically sound piece of art. Uh. Nah, I don't know what, what what you got. He was in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god! Ninety three, baby! Woo! That's right. That's right. Um, oh my god! <laughs> he played Iggy. Hell yeah! Um, so his handle in this movie is the Plague, right? Which is so poignant, right? Because he represents corporate yeah. greed. He represents individual greed. He represents oil spills. Uh, the plague. The Black Plague. What is the Black Plague of the 80s and 90s? Oil. Um, very on the nose there. Uh, but I think that's something that some people would probably miss, right? Because it's such a throwaway thing. Like, oh, his handle's the plague. He just, like... He's just, like, an edgy dude. But, like, he's, he is symbolic of a lot of the... Uh, ills of the world. Um, yeah. Sorry, I got on a little tangent there and then ran dry. <laughs> no, I mean he—he he definitely uh, he gave me he gave me like the very like kind of like whiny villain who like once he doesn't get his way he's just a little a little baby. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh... No, again, I think it, I think it's a good representation of again counterculture, and it goes back to like the crypto anarchist thing. Like these are the people that, due to their distrust of governments, corporations, and banks, they they invented crypto, which I think at this point in time it's gotten away from the original meaning of like what it was meant to do. Um, yeah, like that, th these are, these are the kinds yeah. of people that were like into that and into developing those sorts of things. I where mean, it's it like was we meant want... to empower like underprivileged individuals and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. Whereas nowadays, crypto is just a means to do rug pulls on. Oh, it's literally to take advantage of underprivileged people yeah. now. Yeah. It it has it has done exactly what it set out to to you know to prevent. Prevent, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. just fucking sucks. Yeah. It does because it's like, alright, well then it to me it's like within these systems, like yeah. that exists and it's gonna leach into whatever it ends up touching. Like it's hard to make like make these things succeed without initially thinking of how we can prevent it from being a means of taking advantage of people like well, that should be like the first the thing, right? lens like, we try to look through kind of in that theme of cyberpunk is uh the road to hell is paved with good intentions right so you make all these like interesting technologies to help people and then corporations come in and they go yeah but we made this because we're the only people with the capital to make these things and if we can't make it then we buy it from people because yeah. the people who are making it don't have like a good enough set of circumstances to hold on to it for themselves and distribute it effectively. So we buy yeah. it from them <laughs> and then we maliciously uh, conceive of an anti-consumer's practice to sell it to as many people as possible in the worst possible way. And uh, I mean, that's, that is, what happens right so like back in the day it was like oh yeah cut the cord get off the cable just like get netflix and do a couple other things and just have your like your streaming service that has like the movies that you you want to watch on it and nowadays it's every single corporation going okay you want streaming services fine we'll make our own and our movies are only available on our streaming service and then you have all these anti-consumers practices where if you want to watch a handful of Disney movies, you have to pay $15 a month now. Or if you want to watch MGM movies, you have to pay $15 a month or yeah. uh, Amazon Prime or uh, fucking Peacock, uh, yeah. Paramount Plus. Paramount. Yeah. Uh, every fucking studio has their own streaming service. And you're like, you guys are yeah. only A, shooting yourself in the foot and B, making people mad at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, you kind of get that feeling in this movie that like your main characters are very small people who just want to do like as much good as they can. And like, it's a feel good movie and that you get to see them succeed. Whereas in the real world, they absolutely would have failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, Matt, you said you didn't really like the writing for this movie, right? Yeah. 
as far as I like wasn't dialogue and into, stuff like that. Yeah, dialogue and execution and just like but it it felt like some of it felt like it it's was It's so fucking quotable though. <laughs> but like I feel like again, I feel like it's almost ironic in a way like how they're using dialogue to to do that to the point where it becomes like so like do you have any the cliche uh, do you have like any lines that you really have issue with well it it's not only that the lines but a lot of the names of, of people and like the the ways in which all of that mixed with the special effects and like practical of effects of showing focus and emotion and shit like it all felt <laughs> very very 90s and like in like s such a borrowed I don't know. I don't know. It, it just, it was too much. It was just hitting those spots too much for me. I can't believe you, dude. When they're at the I, party and Matthew, uh, whenever uh, serial killer and Lord Nikon, they like walk out from behind the DJ stand and serial uh, <laughs> puts his arm around his, Nikon's shoulder. And they're like looking at a girl off camera and Matthew Lillard goes, look at that pooper. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that line, dude. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious, dude. And then like you get so many like counterculture kind of things, right? Like when they're doing the deal or the uh, like the challenge thing. And it's like, uh, if I win, you're my slave. And if you win, uh, you go on a date with me, right? Um, and then they like step it up. It's like, if I win, you go, you wear a dress on her date. And then she's like, if I win, you wear a dress on the date. And he's like, yeah, fine. Okay. I'm going to win though. And then you get that scene of him, like wearing the fucking red leather later on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And it's like after his sex dream, right? And then you have this sex dream and you're like, what the fuck? Is he dreaming about like wearing this? And then she wakes up yeah. <laughs> and she has that like little smirk. It's so fucking funny to me, man. Yeah. Like, I feel like this movie does humor well. I, I loved it. great movie i i will i will watch this movie again like it plays with gender roles well it uh i mean yeah. this is probably one of the most diverse movies we've ever watched as far as like diversity of cast and casting right um your main little good boy group is uh i mean it's dade murphy and kate and they're both white, but then you've also got like Nikon, who's black. You've got mm -hmm. uh, Freak, who is Latino. Um, 
you've got the two you got blade and razor that are both asian um and it's it's like never thrown in your face it's these characters that feel like they're characters and like race doesn't matter right Mm. which is such a kind of refreshing take on like diversity in movies because nowadays it'd be like i don't know i feel like i've just watched so many movies where it's like I'm a proud black woman. And that's like the only character development you get for the whole character. And it's just like boring and there's not much there. Whereas like the relationships between these characters all feel fleshed out and like lived in. Um, Serial killer constantly asking people to like stay at their place because his parents are apparently uptight. Um, It just feels like it feels like it doesn't matter because like the connections are human, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like in that way, it's the characters are written pretty well as far as their like relationships and motivations and things. Yeah. Um, God, dude, you know, another fucking line I love is when Dade, Dade shows up to the uh, like, I don't know, arcade skate park kind of thing and Kate's playing the game and she beats her old high highest record or whatever and um dude he does that line he's like you're pretty good for a girl <laughs> yeah oh my god i typical, laugh so fucking uh, uh, hard at that a typical 90s saying there Typical, uh, hey, pretty good for a girl. Because I feel like nowadays that yeah. character would say that and then lose right before he sets a new high score. And then it would set her up as this like untouchable kind of character. Whereas like because she embarrassed him that one time and then he like repeatedly just keeps on doing things that like irk her. It gives yeah. their relationship more tension, right? And it, it feels better whenever they finally, like, relieve that tension and they actually start to develop a romance, right? Yeah. It's got a classic enemies to lovers trope. Yeah. And it feels good. Mm. What? What was that? Mm. It feels fine. It's fine. I don't like it. It's fine. Matt hates it. Matt hates it. Matt hates it. <laughs> Alright, what do you rate it? Matt, what do you rate it? Give us yeah, your rating. What do you rate it, you little foul mouth little fucking you little I'm, fucking fucker? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it like a I think I'm gonna give it like a 3-8 Damn, that's vindictive Wow, low score To a 4 that's fucked up and vindictive. Yeah. Oh, vindictive? Yeah. That's really petty Why vindictive? <laughs> I, I really like this movie. I'm going to watch it again. I'm giving it an 8.5. I stand in wow. unity with my brother, and I'm going to give it an 8.5. Nice. <laughs> I got to watch it with you guys. <laughs> I, I just I feel like... <laughs> 
I don't know. I felt like I was watching a different movie. Yeah. I mean, like, you guys got a lot more out of it than I did. I think there are just a lot of things I just couldn't get over. I was. I felt like maybe I was analyzing it too much. Fair. And like, in like very biased ways. Hey. But you know what? You don't have to worry about living through the 90s next week because next week we're going way back. We're going back. We're going oh way God. back. To the beginning of the 20th century. We're going back to the oh 40s. What? We're going back to uh we're going back to the 40s and the We're going the, to the 1941. 1917. What was the last one we said? 1944. 1944, yeah. Yeah. So Next week, what are the uh, to celebrate November being here and there being a new Call of Duty. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> We're doing all war movies that their title is just the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so, so we're watching uh, Sam Mendez's 1917. We're gonna watch Spielberg's 1944, and then we're doing our first foreign film. Uh, I forget the name of the director, but we're doing 1944, which was a, uh, I believe it's an Estonian film. Yeah. Wait, so uh, there's two 1944s? No, 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 no. Sp- Spielberg's is 1941. I think Andrew, oh, Andrew Bishop said 1944. Yeah, 1941. Oh. 1941 by, by Spielberg. All right, so 41, oh, okay. by the way, for those who aren't familiar, is a comedy. All right. Um, written by a couple of, uh, I can't remember the names right now, but a couple of like famous uh comedy writers uh spielberg directing yeah. um sam mendez for anyone who isn't aware he's a very good director as well we're watching his 1917 and uh 1944 which is the third movie we found that looked like it was uh watchable and, and then the we title saw was this. just the year yeah and we're we're silly guys who like to meme and so three movies that are just named the year. Roll, 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 roll. I think this is the first time we're watching like war movies too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, I'll, I'm <laughs> gonna buckle up, I guess. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you guys think about 1941 because that is a... Uh, Well, I told Scott this before, but that was like a road trip movie for us. We watched that. I've probably seen that movie fucking 50, 60 times. Um, I've never seen 1917, and I've also never seen 1944, so I'm excited to watch those because, A, I'm a, I'm a pretty big history buff. Uh, World War One is a absolutely crazy time in world history. Um, yeah. I'm excited to watch 1944 because, uh, again, we haven't watched any foreign films. So I'm excited for that. Well, all right. That's it. Right. That's it for this week. That's it for this week, my boys, my pals, my friends. Well, thanks for having me on again, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for Um, allowing me to hate on once you love. Hey, you know. Um, if you to the viewers, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Uh, also, we are re- we we have already released 
by the time you hear this, we have already released a mini episode, just Andrew and I, reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. Oh, uh, so go back and go watch that. that. It's just, uh, I think, I believe it's like a 38 minute short episode. Yep. Pretty good. And right. uh, a little teaser here. I think if we do another short episode anytime soon, it's just going to be an AI girlfriend review. Oh no! <laughs> yep. I remember you talking about this. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, see what? if I can find like two or three AI girlfriend apps, and then uh, we're all gonna spend Why? like a week on it, and then uh, <laughs> a week on them, and then we'll uh, we'll review them. I like it. I think it'll be a good a good comedy episode. Yeah, I'm hoping so. <laughs> yeah. Can I? Oh my god, I. I, I need to be there. Can I ask, can I just ask you all questions about it? I mean, I'd I'd yeah. prefer if you partook so that you could come in with your own experiences, but if you had questions also ask them. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, Amazing. cheat on your wife with an AI girl or boy, whatever your preference is. Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess so. that is the other aspect of that is that like all three of us are in relationships, so to come in talking about our AI <laughs> girlfriends would be kind of funny. I think. I mean, I think Casey will think it's hilarious. She will probably join me in the memes. I mentioned it to Shelby, and she was like, "Because originally I said just like me and Scott would probably be doing it," uh, and she said, "So two guys with partners are gonna have AI girlfriends?" And I went, "Is that funny?" And she went, "It might be." <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be. I'm hoping so. Um, I like but it. that brings us completely to the end of the episode. Uh, music, as always, was by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Uh, if you want to support the pod or uh, pay for our having to rent movies sometimes, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash bad pipes podcast. And if you Give want us to follow, follow. Us on the X, the Twitter, you can do it's that at Bad Pipes Pod. Bad Pipes Pod. And uh, if you want to send me a question or a recommendation for movies or anything directly, you can do that at cryptidworksofficial at gmail.com. You can hit me with that sick email. Um, and as always, kiss your dog. Good night.